0: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests show us the power of relying on God in our darkest moments and staying connected with Him so that He can see us through our struggles. Joel and Luke Smallbone of the band for King & Country and gospel music legend Sandy Patty. First, we talk with Joel and Luke Smallbone, brothers and members of the Christian pop duo for King & Country. Joel and Luke are part of a musical legacy, but earning the path to success was certainly not easy. When they were growing up, Joel and Luke's family of nine immigrated from Australia to the United States after their father got a job in America and quickly lost it after they arrived. With no money and no friends, the Smallbones learned to rely on each other and trust that God would provide. Today, they talk to us about their new album, Burn the Ships, how they've created their own musical legacy and why it's so important for them to carve out moments to be still with God.
1: Well, I am Joel Smallbone. And I'm his brother, Luke, which... Uh, we, and we share the same last name. Yeah, we do, which is good. We've the same parents. We share a band as well. Yep. We're in a band called For King and Country. And uh, we formed about six years ago. Two of seven kids. Yeah, Originally from Australia, not from Boston. Not from Britain. Australia. We live in Nash- Nashville. And our elder sister was a singer. By the name of Rebecca St. James.
2: Yeah, so we, uh, as John mentioned, originally born in Australia. And... Um, my dad was a concert promoter in Australia so he would bring tours back there and uh, on one particular tour that he brought back to Australia the tour didn't go very well and we, we lost everything. We lost the house, uh, we lost uh, the savings, lost the car and so he was looking for a fresh start for the, for the family and uh, got a job offer in Nashville, Tennessee and uh, he thought it would be a good idea to move his six kids at the time and his wife who was six months pregnant and that's that's what we did we we moved uh however 19 16 so get however many and, 16 suitcases yeah, yeah. came all the way over sold and then, everything else as soon as we we kind of got here my dad lost that job and so we were on the other side of the, the world no friends no family we were sleeping on uh, beds made out of clothes uh which i remember very well because i couldn't make the bed very well because <laughs> it was yeah. just clothes that i had to get mom to kind of help me and then uh, we uh, we were, didn't have a car, we didn't have any way for my little sister to be born in a hospital. And so, we just, uh, as a family, I think it was a, a defining moment for us. And, and we just, we would gather around in the living room and, and circle up and just pray and just ask God for these essential things in life. And we just got to see God do amazing miracles. We had people that found out that we didn't have any furniture in our house and they brought two box trucks full of furniture and furnished our whole home. Uh, we had people just come and drop grocery bags of groceries on our doorstep, not knowing that that how needed that really was at the time, you know. And uh, one of the funniest stories or an interesting stories was when we came to uh, America. We came in the fall, so Thanksgiving was coming up, and you know Americans make a big old deal out of Thanksgiving, which is great. Love Thanksgiving, but we don't we have, have, th- have thanks. Yeah, we don't have Thanksgiving right. in Australia. So we went when we came. A family said, "Hey, why don't you come over for Thanksgiving? You know, and uh, we can show you the ropes." And, uh, and they're like, it's really good for you guys, too, because there's lots of food and you get lots of kids. Yeah. And we went over and we just had this wonderful uh, time with this family. And at the end of the night, the father household comes to us. He says, hey, I want you to have the keys to my brand new car. I just want you guys to have it. And so uh, I also joked that we quickly fell in love with Thanksgiving after that. <laughs> with those cars. And, and so really, when we came to America, people loved on us and loved yeah. in our family and took care of our family. And we got to see... God's provision, and one of the things that I've even said nowadays is one of the things that I think God is really good at. He's good at providing. He yeah, He promises that, and we got to see that evidence in our own. And it, and and it bonded
1: to it. us too because we we sort of had the family fund. So rather than everyone out earning their own money, we would you know, depending on the season, we we raked leaves, we mowed lawns, I and mean, we were I mean we were wee lads at the time, and um, you know. Mum and Rebecca would clean houses. I say we would mow lawns. I would mow the lawn. Luke would like talk to the owner the whole time.
2: Well, I was to just, get out I of work. Say, well, the truth is, I was very concerned to make sure we got repeat business. And so somebody, yeah. you know, if you had a six-year-old come up and talking to you about the need to mow your lawn, I think you were going to give them, you know, another shot. So it still carries. Our retention, on our retention
1: rate was pretty solid. It was, <laughs> and and it was out of that that our sister Rebecca was. In, um, she'd sung a little bit in school and stuff in Australia. And her and dad, she was 16 at the time, and her and dad uh, dad managed her, and they kind of shopped around to different record labels. And then we started traveling, and it was like, we all had our different jobs, so we homeschooled. Luke was the spotlight operator. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was the stage manager. <laughs> Uh, and the background vocalist and Luke did run lighting as well he likes to demean me like yeah I'm yeah, this 16 year old so proud of running a spotlight spotlight operator and uh, but we all had our job so we was like the Australian version of the Von Trapp family we all got to, we were in a van together traveled the country and I think that's where for us well we saw the impact of music we saw the impact of music kind of merged with this hope of the gospel and 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 we learned about what it meant to Build relationships with people, and 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 put on a show, and build a stage, and get the job. Like we learned all of that firsthand, and so really, you follow it through. Where we are now as a band is kind of a direct. You can't you can't have one without the other. If it weren't for that time, it's a very probably easy to say you wouldn't have for King Country today. It is interesting when you grow up in that family dynamic, and you and. It are a very formidable years. It was really our teenagehood that we were travelling, and we're all together. And it's five boys, and you know our sisters and our parents, and and you just there's no choice. You have to make it work. You have to you have to figure out if conflict resolution and <laughs> how to get along with siblings when you're 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 at odds. How to get the like I said, how to get the job done still, and it has created a really cool. Like we're go, we're about to go on holidays with the whole family now. There's you know six of the seven of us are married, and there's Eight nieces and nephews, and one on the way, and um, so th- th- it's sort of expanded. But we're still not only do we work together, you know. Our brother Josh is our general manager. Our dad manages us. Our brother Daniel does our lighting. Still, Rebecca's travelled with us in the past. Ben does all our music videos. Like, there's a there's a deep connectedness in the whole family still. But also, we kind of still choose each other, and that I think that's the other. If there was another Part of the pedigree of for king and country it has been that we we learned the art of as a family of doing life together not just in the structure of you go to school parents go to work they come home you have you know, maybe a bit of time at the dinner table but actually like working and struggling and and, and every all the money going back into the family fund and I, I actually think one of the things that we were forced to stumble upon is the beauty and the trust that God designed for the family unit to have. That I, I sometimes worry that we've lost a bit of today. That's so, so much more about individualism and and actually going against, oh my my you know, my parents did that, I want to do that. My parents dad was a farmer, I don't want to. And sometimes it's a very reasonable and and honorable thing to kind of branch out. But then there's other occasions where it's like, it's a beautiful, like the fact that dad was involved in music and the fact that our elder sister was involved in music and the fact that now we're involved with music, there's such a rich heritage and understanding. And we we stand on the shoulders of giants because of all the, all, all the years and the struggle that they put in before we were even on the scene, if you will. And I, I count that as a very, I think for us, it's a very rich thing now to be able to carry that kind of legacy on.
0: After spending time on the road as a musical family, Joel and Luke decided to strike out on their own.
1: We were kind of an independent duo with the very creative name Joel and Luke. Before we were for King Country, we we, had, we actually had this meeting, this management meeting years ago, and we said, hey, we're not leaving because band names are hard to come up with, yeah. particularly in this context where you can Google anything, and you know some some band over in Greenland's called that, and so you can't, you know, they have the rights to it. Whereas 100 years ago, you wouldn't have been any the wiser. So we had this meeting, we sat down this management meeting, and we said, hey, we're not coming out, we're not leaving this meeting until we come up with a band name, and we walked out with Joel and Luke, and we and, and we sort of fumbled around for what, six years, we wrote 120 songs, most of which no one has ever heard because they're not worth really? hearing. And and we signed a production deal with a producer and we just, but it was it was in a very, we went into the struggle again. And I think that a lot of people had the kind of un, idea of well, you had your dad and you had your sister and it was not a card we ever tried to play. We wanted to really get in and, and work through it ourselves and kind of create a path, create, you know, find out who we were as a duo. Luke hadn't written a song before um, we started writing together. And so, Luke was working at a call center. Um, I was traveling on the road, working for my brother and uh, Josh. There were points, I think, where both of us were looking at each other going, who's gonna call it? Like, he'd met his wife and they were getting married and his father was having conversations with him about, you know, are you, what are you? Are you really going to do this? And and I'd met my now wife at his wedding, which was pretty serendipitous. But but it was it was this. gen I remember saying to someone like, Hey, I want to marry this girl, and I have no means to do it. The first date I took her out on, I had I bought her a sweater because she's she's from California, and she was winter in Nashville, and I bought her a sweater, and I had three dollars left in my account, you know, after I bought it for her. And I just but but again the 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 beauty of the struggle and the hardship that we so vehemently try to run away from as humanity and and, and rightfully so. But how formative. And I think, you know, once again, now we've been a band for six years officially, so we had that five or six years prior to and have been a band for six years. And and I think we both look back at that time and go, man, we we sort of made all of the silly mistakes and really now appreciate what we have, because we worked for it so hard in the beginning. So our new album, um, Burn the Ships, uh, is, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of layers to that phrase even, and to the record, but one of the kind of the centerpieces, maybe the hallmarks of it, um, is a song called God Only Knows. And uh, it's this interesting, I, I became an American citizen last year and Luke was very proud of me because I passed the test you know? yeah. it's a hard it's a hard test we were doubtful but yeah. uh, but I did, I did it yeah, I did it I took it very seriously I probably know more about America than a lot of Americans do now, but I am an American so yeah. anyway we digress so the uh, last year I became a citizen and it was right in the middle of writing the record and so there's there's a few different sort of sentiments to the album you know there's a romance to it there's a there is a, a, a obviously a natural spiritual side to it, and there's a kind of this social side to it, and we get a lot of, as you can imagine, a lot of letters, kind of mind blowing letters, or you know messages on Facebook that will share these really heartbreaking, often and and very extravagant and dramatic stories about how a song or some phrase or line has just not only like you know spurred them on on the run, but, but like saved them from mm. self-harm or from taking their own life or from an awful relationship. And um, so we, we, we kind of as we were looking to this record, I remember I, I have a song list on my phone and I was scrolling through and this phrase, "God only knows" was one of the phrases I, I just had it in the list for a long time and, and I said, to Luke this one day I said, man maybe this is the, you know, this is the moment." And, and we kind of, we pull that phrase out because it's a very casual phrase at first glance. You know, oh, God only knows, man, why this kind of stuff happens. But when you really dive into it, man, there is, if, if this is all true, there's a load of things that God only knows. And all we have, on the contrary, is just little pieces and snippets of each other's lives. And yet... We're the ones that are so prone to judge, right? We're the ones that you you see someone have a bad day in a car and you you make some bad gesture or or you're in a coffee shop and someone sort of is rude to you and you just, that person's an awful person. You just have that, that's it. You just have that little snapshot. And yet, even in our snapshots, we're prone to judgment and on the contrary, Jesus who sees, God who sees the whole gamut still has this kind of superhero type otherworldly love for us and not judgment but actually forgiveness for us by the grace of God. And so it was there that the song became this real centerpiece of the record. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows you
2: I got baptized when I was in uh, Australia by my grandfather and he was a Methodist pastor and it was this sweet moment for us uh, as, you know, grandson In the ocean. In the ocean. It was freezing cold. It was
1: awfully cold. Uh,
2: But then fast forward, you know, to about uh, probably a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, I was at church and uh, the pastor, who's a friend of mine, was just talking about whatever and he, I think he said something about a baptism Sunday coming up and then he moved on to his sermon. And the entire sermon, I was just fixated on baptism, and I was like, ah, I've been baptized before. I don't know why. Why can I not get my mind from this this uh, this word and this thought?" And and so after the the service, I went up to my pastor friend. I said, "Hey, man, I, I don't know why you, you mentioned something about baptism. I just cannot get my mind off of that. I, I, can't, I mean, I feel like I need to be I need baptized in this church and with my congregation here, and so." you know you fast forward then you know six weeks three months or so and it's baptism day and so i'm going back and i'm getting all prepared with all the 12 year olds i was like the oldest person there and the, <laughs> and, tallest, and the tallest portion yeah. and, and and it was just this wonderful day and so I, I get into the the baptismal and and um you know my pastor friend says a few things and, and talks a little bit about our friendship that we have and he baptizes me and as i come up out of the water i just felt like something happened like it just felt like Time stood still for just a moment. Like God was like making a point. Like just, just remember this moment. It's an exclamation mark, here And I was like, I did. I just feel like it was just a symbol of some of the things that have taken place in my past, being buried in the past, and, and walking into this new future.
1: All the people say. Oh.
2: Two days later, I'm, I'm in the studio, and we're talking about song ideas. And I was like, "Guys, I just got to tell you the story of what just took place." And so, sure enough, we 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 write this song about this baptismal experience, uh, and uh, that's the you know that's the the thought, the story behind the uh, Amen.
0: As they are on the road inspiring others, Joel and Luke work hard to take time to see God and keep a close relationship with Him. Joel reads a passage from Jesus Calling that talks about the joy we can get from spending time with God.
1: So the passage we're going to read to you is um, from Jesus Calling July 8th. Which happens to be my wife's birthday which is
2: very special and she loves Jesus Calling which is amazing. It's
1: it's meant to be. It's meant to be. be. (laughs) And it says this, when you seek my face put aside thoughts of everything else. I am above all as well as in all, your communion with me transcends both time and circumstances. Be prepared to be blessed bountifully by my presence, for I am a God of unlimited abundance. Open wide your heart and mind to receive more and more from of me. When your joy good word when your joy in me meets my joy in you. There are fireworks of heavenly ecstasy. This is eternal life here and now, a tiny forecast of what awaits you in the life to come. Now you see only a poor reflection in a mirror, but then you will see me face to face. In the passage from John 15:11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And lastly, First Corinthians thirteen twelve, a great passage, by the way. Now we see, but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part; then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. It's funny when when you start um, merging. The idea of God and spirituality, and and then and a relationship, and whatever that looks like, with work, I think you actually have to be really careful, because you can have that attitude of, oh, I'm doing it, like uh, here I am, like I don't have, like I'm, but I'm 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 living and breathing it all the time. I'm doing your work, and it, 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 it's it's kind of like you know, being in a marriage and just being like, but I'm. I'm providing like I'm doing my job you got a nice house but there's there's the, the love the component isn't there and, and maybe she or you know it's just sitting there going hey hang on but the whole idea of this wasn't practical it wasn't a B equals C it was love the, that was it was always built on on that and so I think for us we I mean in different ways and you probably have two different answers but we uh, have put really pretty strong um, I know, boundary markers in place, whether it be having family around a lot is a big part just as far as grounding and staying centered. Time feels like it's moving faster. It feels like there's less of it. And it feels like some, crazily enough with a lot of the intimacy that we have or connectedness, I should say, we have through social media and through cellular devices and smartphones, The intimacy level also feels like it's sort of dwindling or dropping. The quietness, the stillness, um, the slowing, you know, for us it's practical things like putting our phone away, you know, Um, going on a walk, you know, those things that, that are just put your feet back on the earth and realize that you're a living, breathing, physical. You know that we've all got a time frame on this earth. Those are the things, and then you know, I think if you had to sort of put an exclamation point on all of that, you would say this this kind of stuff. You know, getting just good literature, God-centered literature, obviously the Bible, things that can keep you on the straight and narrow. But but community, doing it in a in a which is forced community here, doing it in an environment where people are around you. I think that's that's the key because we're not you know no man or woman is an island or should be one in the end
2: i heard somebody say that you know the best thing that you can do as a parent is display the truth of jesus in your life and so if you can demonstrate miracles that have taken in your own life taken place in your own life mm-hmm. and you can show that to your kids well why would you choose why would your kids ever choose not to follow jesus and i think that i don't think that was necessarily my parents plan in moving over here but that's what happened and so it does shape you. I remember having a conversation with my sister when I was probably twelve. And I said, you know, Beck, how do you how do you how do you have faith in the midst of doubt? And and she said, Well, you always look back. Right? And so for me, I can always look back and see, you know, just how tangible God has been from when I first came to America, and then all throughout, you know, marriage and some of the things that I've walked through personally, I've just seen God take care of me. And so uh, doesn't necessarily make it easy, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that we're we're short of stories in seeing God's faithfulness.
0: To learn more about For King and Country's latest album, Burn the Ships, visit forkingandcountry.com. We'll be right back after this brief message about a new book from Jesus Calling. Just in time for the gift-giving season, Jesus Always, Sarah Young's newest 365 devotional that brings Jesus' message of joy to you is now available in an easy-to-carry pocket-size edition with a striking leather-soft cover and beautiful interior design. This elegant gift edition makes it the perfect choice to give to someone special or a personal gift for yourself. Learn more at JesusCalling.com. Our next guest is the multi-dove and Grammy Award-winning Christian music legend, Sandy Patty. Sandy came to fame in the 1980s as she sang alongside Bill and Gloria Gaither and wowed crowds with her stunning rendition of The Star Spangled Banner. After doing music for over 40 years, Sandy talks to us about how she fell in love with music at an early age, what it took for her to discover her voice, both personally and professionally, and why she believes showing up is the first step to having a deeper relationship with God. My name is Sandy Patty,
3: and I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, and I love to sing about all of that. My dad was a minister of music, so growing up for me was um, involved around two things, going to church and music. My mom was an amazing pianist, and so she would Play the piano, my dad would lead the singing and the choirs, and um, we just grew up with uh, a whole lot of music in our house, and it's still to this day, when we get together, it is so great to sing with my parents. Um, growing up in church, we uh, moved around a bit from Oklahoma to Arizona to California. I ended up in Indiana going to school, and that's where I lived for a good part of uh, my life. And now I'm back in Oklahoma City, where I was born. My husband and I are on staff at our church there. Um, so we are pastoring together, which is just kind of a cool thing to be able to say. I loved music as, at an early age. My parents let me listen to these little 45 records in my room and um, I'd get my hairbrush and pretend like it was a microphone. I always have loved music. I took piano lessons throughout um, elementary and junior high and high school, and um, didn't start studying voice seriously until I got to college, but I did a lot of singing. When I was in college, I was at a small little college in Indiana called Anderson University, and some very famous alums, Bill and Gloria Gaither, um, live very close to there, and Bill was on the, the Board of Directors at the time, and I did some event that um, he heard me sing, and and not too long after that he had called and said, so we're looking for uh, someone to come and sing back up, you know, on our next tour, would you be interested? Said, wow, let me pray about it, yes. <laughs> so um, that was kind of one of my first big steps into the Christian music world. Bill and Gloria were so gracious to let me sing a solo here and there in their concerts that that began to open some doors for me to do some traveling by myself. I wanted to be a school teacher, but the last 35 years I've been doing some singing and traveling. Well, I just had the opportunity to finish a book called *The Voice*, and which is a funny title to me because I never felt like I had one. So, um, the book just sort of helps me unpack my finding my voice. And I think a lot of finding our own voice has to begin by hearing God's voice in us. And that's really where it began for me. I think I've been very shy with words and so I never felt that I had a voice that I could speak up or speak out. And I think that's one th- reason I was drawn to music because I would hear a song and I would think, oh, that's I feel so I thought you know if I could sing this song I can become these words so music really helped me um, speak my voice but my inner voice always felt quiet and I always second-guessed myself and when you second-guess yourself it's really hard to speak up because you think oh that might not be maybe that's not kind that's not the right thing or timing is off or whatever as I began in probably the the late, mid to late 80s, I started going to Bible Study Fellowship, um, BSF. And it's just an amazing place to begin to unpack the Word of God. And I think as I began to understand who I was in God and how He saw me, that gave me more confidence to, to speak up and to speak my own voice. That was something that was hard for me to do. I don't know if it, I think it's, I think it is a little bit harder for women. I don't know why, but I think it is harder for women to speak up. And I think I grew up in a church denomination that you really didn't have problems. You were either all in or all out so it was hard to say hey i need help with this or with that consequently you feel very isolated and very alone when other people begin to share their stories you kind of go wait i'm not alone in this and that's where the beauty of community comes in is realizing um where nothing is new under the sun as solomon says so wisely that there's somebody who's either farther along on the path than you, somebody who's right where you are, or somebody who's getting ready to come on that path. But we don't have to go by ourselves. And I think that alone probably gave me the courage to begin to speak up and say, you know, hey, marriage is hard. And for somebody to go, yeah, yeah it is. I didn't know other people had hard times in marriage or with kids or I I thought everybody just kind of had it together until one brave person starts saying and the dominoes start falling and community is where it's at. Community with the Christian brothers and sisters is the place to begin. So good. And I know for me I've been most encouraged when I've heard other people risk to share their story that probably is the single most thing that has uh, impacted me in being able to share my story. It's kind of like when you you buy a new car that's a color you've never had before, and then all of a sudden you see that color everywhere. It's kind of that same thing, which is the beauty of sharing our story. And the more I began to share my story, the more I began I thought I was just being brave for myself, for my own growth, but then I began to realize that encourages someone else to share their story, which is going to encourage then someone else to share theirs and that to me is just one of the most amazing things. We need to just get real. We just got to get real in the body of Christ because we aren't alone in this journey.
0: In the 1990s, Sandy struggled through a public divorce. She talks about reeling from old wounds and how God has helped her and her family get through that difficult time. You know, we we talk a lot about
3: forgiveness. We talk a lot about, um, you know, God making all things new, but I tell you, that old shame is the one thing that I just kind of feel creep on me from time to time. Shame is sort of like this wet shower curtain, in a way, you know? Um, And it's really hard to pull that off, you know? It just clings and you can't get rid of it. And I find, I know in my head, I know God's word is true, I know He has forgiven me, but when I see my kids walk through a new season that brings up old wounds for them, It's so easy for me to pick up that shame again. And I have to walk myself through once again, believe God's word. It is true. Um, He has forgiven you. There's consequences. Consequences are not the same thing as unforgiveness. God has forgiven me. There will always be consequences. And um, I love the opportunity every day to open up my Jesus calling, whether it's a book beside my bedstand or it's the app because I'm traveling, and it's like uh, sometimes I'll go, Sarah Young, how did you know? How did you like? How did you get in my head and know that these are the words that I needed today? I just think God gave her. Just an amazing, amazing gift. But one of the things that Jesus Calling has reminded me more and more and more often, is I don't have to have all the answers. I just show up in His presence. Just keep showing up in His presence. Just keep inviting God to where I am, and just show up in His presence. That's it. That's my job. And I just love that when I get at my wits end and like I don't want to pick up a book, I don't even know what place to start in God's Word. I go, I'm going to my friend. I'm going to Sarah because, you know, she and I are like this. We've never met, but like I feel like I know her and she knows me. And this has been one of the sweetest gifts in my life. So here is Jesus calling from, for July the 10th. Relax in my peaceful presence. Do not bring performance pressures into our sacred space of communion. When you are with someone you trust completely, you feel free to be yourself. Like, okay, how did she know today? This is one of the joys of true friendship. Though I am Lord of Lords and King of Kings, I also desire to be your intimate friend. When you are tense or pretentious in our relationship, I feel hurt. I know the worst about you, but I also see the best in you. I long for you to trust me enough to be fully yourself with me. When you are real with me, I am able to bring out the best in you, the very gifts I have planted in your soul. Relax and enjoy our friendship, relax in my peaceful presence. It's that simple and that hard. I love that. As a mom, I've, I've raised eight kids, my husband and I've raised eight kids, and we have unique relationships with all of them. And some are open to uh, a scripture, some are open to advice, some are just distant. And sometimes when I don't know what to say to them, and I've heard them on the phone or they've texted me, um, I'll just open up Jesus Calling, and I hope this is okay, but like I'll take a picture of that day and I send it to my kids, or I'll send it to a friend um, and just say, you know what, I didn't plan this but this is just what today's word says, and this is what Jesus is saying to you today. Um, It has been such a great tool to be able to use for others, and then they'll they'll either respond, that's a great word, I needed that today, or most often, oh my goodness, where did this come from? I need this, and I'll say, yeah, you do need this. You know, the last, uh, I guess, 24 months, I've um, been winding down the the big touring season of my life. And I wanted to, I didn't want to call it farewell, I didn't want to call it goodbye, because that wasn't the reason I was doing it. I wanted an opportunity to say to the people who had been, just who would come alongside me these last 35 years. I wanted an opportunity to say to them, thank you. First and foremost, I have been called by God. But I also know that I work for the people. We serve the people. And so I wanted to say to those people, thank you. And reminisce with songs, with stories. And getting to have my kids be part of that, because they'd been on the road with me before, but now I was employing them. One was the road manager, one did merchandise. Several of them sang with me on stage, as well as my husband, and it was really very, very special. And it wasn't so much to to say goodbye, it was really to just tell the people how grateful I have been that I've gotten to do this all these years.
0: For more info about Sandy's new book, The Voice, Listening for God's Voice and Finding Your Own, visit SandyPatty.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we speak with internationally known speaker and Love Does author Bob Goth and his daughter, Lindsay Vitasich. Bob and Lindsay talk about what it was like growing up in the Goth family and Bob's unconventional parenting style, and why it's important to show kids how to live a life fully engaged with the world. That whole idea of being engaged, it it isn't Mm -hmm. something that happens uh, when you fall in love and slip a ring on somebody's finger. That's not engaged. It's what you do afterwards is to say, I'm going to live a life of engagement and wonder and whimsy and everybody does it different. So riff on your version, however it is that God wired you, just be that and then pull that out of your kids. Let them bring you along delightfully. If you let them off the chain, we will just take you on some great adventures. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.